hello, welcome to you and welcome to all of our listeners. We're pleased to have you as part of our Something to Declare family or movement or denomination or whatever other words you choose to use. If you were listening to last week's podcast, you know what that's all about. Um, Beth, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, David. Um, yes, finishing, uh, kind of finishing up the term, trying to plan the next one, doing lots of Vicar's Wife thing because it's full Christmas in our house. How about you? I'm fine, thank you. Bobbing along quite nicely, just embracing the chaos uh, and doing what I can to, you know, um, potter along, I think. Um, now, Beth, before we press the record button today, you revealed something to me <laughs> uh, that I think we should share with our listeners, because obviously we are uh, a podcast and uh, we were talking about other podcasts that we we may uh, listen to. And you shared with me that you have um, developed a, a penchant for gardening podcasts so um, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. Um, I didn't even know they existed, I confess. Um, I mean, I'm you so know, cool. <laughs> what, what, what do you, who is it? What is it? Why? I um, So I, I, I listen to podcasts as I fall asleep. Um, so it gets better, doesn't it? They, they send me to sleep. <laughs> I'm not sure that counts as a kind of a, a recommendation. Um, <laughs> so I don't know how I got into listening to it like various um podcasts about gardening um and my dad would mock me mercilessly for the fact that I listened to gardeners question time um but it somehow kind of evolved as I think I was just trying to learn how to garden my garden which is um huge and overgrown and I really like the whole parable gardens um thing if I don't know if you come across it, it's a, a great charity in Oxfordshire who um they go and um work with community organizations and churches to do um talk about a patch of land that they want to redevelop but they they talk about it as a spiritual um thing as and as well as being and it, how it kind of represents the community or how it represents the spirituality of the people that are trying to change this space um and on the idea that like ground is a parable the the god and often is a parable um in you know jesus uses gardens and agriculture and everything as, as parables all the time so they do this amazing work where they take um these patches of land that have been abandoned or neglected and need overhauling but get people to reflect on them so they use things like where are the boundaries broken where are the paths trodden in um you know kind of what's overlooked what's you know what is kind of what what's in what's in season what's diseased you know kind of looking at kind of all these different kind of elements yeah what's the ground like is it fertile um what needs you know kind of what needs tending to and they're kind of great it's a great image and I really liked it and then I read Pat Took's beautiful um chapter on ministry is gardening in yes um the festival for Paul Goodliffe I think it was um and and that's a beautiful chapter just gave me so much um and and then I think through that really I kind of as I was you know it was the summer and I was trying to garden I kind of got into gardening accidentally um and I'm not very good gardener I'm not very consistent gardens need a lot of consistency um and I don't have a lot of time and they need a lot of time but when when it's not horrible weather like it is at the moment I I often kind of turf the children out into the garden and we go and dig something up because that's what we're good at that bit we're not very good at planting things (laughs) good at getting muddy but I really enjoyed listening to podcasts and trying to find out actually how how do plants work and what 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 do they need and um 
yeah so that's how cool I am I think I've officially won dork of the year award (laughs) well it was a special moment although um I've learned things already uh listening to you just now and I love the sound of the uh, parables gardening I think there's um that's a really interesting um concept and way of way of thinking about things we had uh, an interesting experience here where we had a, a group of people come and sort of do a consultation day with us this was a number of years ago now as part of um we're in the heart edge network as well and so we had a group of people from the network come and be with us for the day and we shared our story we showed them round we spent a bit of time together we had lunch and then we all kind of left them to it and they had an hour and a bit together just as the group who've come in from the outside and didn't really know much about us or our space and then said these are three or four things that having heard your story and having sat with you that we would want to offer you and one of them was to do with how we were using the space particularly outside Mm. and we made some biggish changes particularly to what is kind of a sense ostensibly our front garden and it's made a really big difference to how everything feels and looks and uh it's been brilliant but I didn't see it because I was institutionalized you know I'd already been Mm -hmm. here seven eight years by then I wasn't seeing what they were seeing and it was very very helpful but yeah and so the way in which you use your space can make a bit but there's it's a much bigger conversation than just a how do you use your space isn't it and the idea of opening that up into being a spiritual and missional and practical thing um, as well as a gardening thing I think is yeah, very, and, very and a tool for your own spirituality to kind of yeah engage with it's a very embodied way a very grounded way of engaging with spirituality and if you think about the fact that we were made to be in a garden there is something about kind of connecting back with something that was innately good um, about who we were I think that's really nice well, you're I'm trusting really... the spirit will, will do a work in, in me at some point. Say, you're not really uh, into gardening, are you, David? <laughs> no, I, I think it's outdoor housework. I, I think <laughs> gardening is to be avoided at all costs. Um, I would rather do the ironing. I would rather clean the toilets at the church, anything than, than gardening. So it's. I love gardens. I love them when they're beautiful and when someone else is, is dealing with that. So I think that's... Yeah. Uh, going to be my approach for a little while yet I'll, I'll cut the grass and I'll lug heavy things around that I'm told need moving that's my level of gardening but fortunately you know I'm mad someone who's enjoying gardening a bit more as well so uh life is changing um, I think lockdown's done that though hasn't it I think Actually, that's what it is anybody with garden yeah. um yeah. you had to spend a lot of time in your own space so I think I, I have yeah. a group of friends who send seeds to each other in the post now and I just think wow who are we and how did we replace my grandparents but I think it's become a really um yeah it's become a young person hobby in a way that maybe it wouldn't have been before well you tell yourself that (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) um, so let's uh Think a little bit about our guest uh, today. I'm really pleased that uh, Rachel Haig uh, is our guest uh, on the podcast this week. Um, I don't think you knew Rachel uh, particularly before this. Uh, I uh, know Rachel since I had my first ever week on uh, Baptist Union Council many, many moons ago. I think I shared the story when we had Barbara Carpenter on the podcast because Barbara and I were both there same time for our first council I didn't really know anybody nobody really made any effort to say hello or welcome you um it's quite a hard experience um except I was looking for a seat and there was a table and there was 
lovely Barbara, who I, who I ended up sitting next to and found out it was her first one as well. And have been friends with Barbara ever since. And also on that table were Rachel Haig and uh, Jenny Entrican. Mm-hmm. And they all knew each other through things that, uh, that are Bristol related, Bristol Baptist College related. And I had a fabulous time getting to know them all. And then got to know Rachel through that. And I was on the women's justice group with Rachel. She used to run that for the union for uh, a good length of time. And it's just an all round good egg. She cracks me up. And it was also um, the other reason I was quite always pleased to chat with Rachel is she... She, I was going to say she's forthright, but that makes it sound like um, she's belligerent, which I don't think is true. But what I mean, she says what she thinks and she is who she is. And you deal with that, how you do that. And, and I want to be more like Rachel. I wish I was more like Rachel. Mm. And I love hearing what she's got to say and hearing about what she's up to in the ministry. So I was delighted she agreed to come onto the podcast. So uh, let's listen in to that chat now. Well, uh, Rachel, thank you so much for agreeing to be on our podcast and chatting to me this morning. It's lovely to see you. Thank you very much. It's very nice to see you too. Yeah. And uh, I understand that you have not long come back to the UK from a trip overseas. Uh, Where have you been and why were you there? So um, it was a rather last minute thing in the end, but um, actually a friend was going with a group to uh, Palestine and um, so needed a couple of other people to uh, make up the numbers and so invited me along. So I literally, early hours of Friday morning, I arrived uh, fresh back from Tel Aviv and uh, have had 11 days there oh, doing lots of the usual stuff and um, uh, kind of some of the current political situation Um Obviously, after the elections there, there's quite a lot of talk around, Okay, what does that mean for people on the ground, particularly for the Palestinians? Um, And um, and so there's lots of really eye opening stuff about um, the reality of people's lives. Um, And uh, we talked to uh, different kind of groups uh, within the West Bank. We were staying in Bethlehem initially, and then we uh, sort of talked with a few groups there and we um then saw the usual kind of thing saw the wall and the Banksy stuff we went to the Waldorf hotel which is right opposite the wall in in Bethlehem and um then we you know went to Hebron and kind of just visited some of this the ancient sites that that kind of are right alongside really current difficult situations so that was really quite fascinating to put those two things together and then we did Jerusalem and we did the Via Dolorosa kind of um we were able to go in uh on top of the temple mount and the dome of the rock and that was really amazing stunning stunning architecture everywhere you go um we went down to jericho and saw the place which has the most amazing mosaics all over the floor that king whatsoever his name was um built and there's just been uncovered and has only been open a year so um so that was uh that was interesting uh we did the Mount of Olives and and some of the stuff there and swam in you know well swim crawled and floated in the Dead Sea and covered ourselves in mud and uh went to Masada and uh where you get a real sense of ancient kings and their stupidity <laughs> and their <laughs> sense of self as well as then um yeah kind of real moments in history where people have taken extreme action because of what they believed was about to happen to them 
Um, and then the way that even that is then used in the current um, situation to to I guess uh, make links to how um, for this one of the Israelis are feeling today. We talked to human rights, Israeli human rights um, organization. Um, so we were trying to get balanced views on things as well. But ultimately, um, the situation is really, really difficult out there at the moment and the tension in the air. The only time that really dissipated was when we went down to Galilee and uh, then suddenly you can paddle in Lake Galilee and see some of the, the places that are most likely uh, um, to be ones that really are where Jesus was, <laughs> as opposed to um, Constantine's mother, who made up all the rest. <laughs> so it's uh, <laughs> so there's kind of like you, it's, so it's beautiful and it's crazy and um, it's tense and um, it was exhausting um, and and kind of yeah, just left me with a whole sense of. Okay, what do I do with this? Because there's some real injustice mm. and and some amazing people that we met. What was really interesting was their different reactions at this point in time to the things that they have faced. Okay. So the farmer who's got settlements on either side of him, but graciously wants to see them as neighbours, even though... He is uh, not allowed to build on his own land. And so his family, who've been there for hundreds of years, are having to live in caves. <laughs> so wow. uh, no water and electricity supply. Their road has been blocked off, that kind of thing. But he's still talking about how do I live alongside my neighbours, even though they want to kick me off my land. Uh, and to the, to the person on the Temple Mount who really really angry because of the soldiers uh taking their weapons into sacred space and because there was um some shooting up there earlier in the year and quite a lot of people died whilst at worship so um so you've got a real contrast in in responses to things and um that's that's interesting in itself i suppose in a way um that's the same here <laughs> people respond in different ways Mm -hmm. to the things that they face and sometimes that's a good way and sometimes that's a a not so good way so yeah. so really yeah interesting really fascinating it's it's a little a tiny strip of land everything of humanity meets there yes and to me that's why it's a mess you know so so it brings the best and the worst of people into this tiny little strip of land whether it's all the continents whether it's all the religions whether it's all the cultures you know, everything all meets in this one tiny little bit and it's like, <sighs> okay. So, um, so that's really fascinating. Yeah. Really fascinating. And I've never been, mm. so I don't know. Um, although folks in my church have been always telling me I should go because it is you know, an experience that it's hard to step into or imagine it unless you've done it. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think for me, so that's my second go. I, was, I worked okay. out that it was 25 years. Okay. That I, I went with, uh, in my last year of college, I did a three-week study tour with mm -hmm. a group of ordinands from uh, across the UK. I was the only Baptist amongst all of these other uh, denominations. So that was a really fascinating experience to do that in that kind of context. And that was uh, very mm. much learning about the land and the Bible and um 
and, and even then the political situation, but it's massively changed since then. The restrictions on Palestinians now is way more. The checkpoints, there are tons more of those. Um, so, so that was interesting to to kind of mm. see. But but at a very basic level, for me, it just brings the Bible alive in yeah. a way that you can't do that through a book. Yeah. To stand, you know, just to stand and see just, yeah, Lake Galilee mm. and and kind of look across it. And, and you can see the weather things happening around the lake. Um, you can see the storm brewing up on the far side, even though you can see the far side. So it's not a massive uh, sea, but it just, you know, and you can look around and you see the fields and the corn and the banana trees now, actually. And um, and you and so you get a sense of of what was behind the words and the stories and um for me, that's been really priceless, actually, in bringing it alive and enabling me to um, try and interpret it in a way that um, takes into account not just the four Gospels, but they talk about the fifth Gospel being the land itself mm. and the, the messages that we get from that. And uh, the first study tour I went on, it was a guy who'd done his PhD and he was telling us all about that. So. You know, just the way the mountains work and um, the agriculture works and the uh, the desert works. And, um, you know, it's it's a real, again, every sort of geographical, geological mm. sort of uh, change and how that uh, is is part of that Bible story. So it's um, so, yeah, for me, I, I, that, that was great to be back in that um and uh just renew that sense of connection because we were reminded um very much by one of the uh, people that we spoke to actually in the end it's the land that's holy not the people not all the buildings Mm -hmm. not not everything that's been put on it by human beings the land itself is what's holy and um, and at some point you do get I, I get a sense that at some point the land will just reclaim itself. It's really interesting. It's uh, I, I, don't, I don't know quite how that happens, but it just mm. feels like the one thing that doesn't quite change is that land is just there. And it's the land where so many important things happened. I'd love to go. I really look forward to, to being able to do that one day. Yeah. Well, if I ever take a trip, I'll invite you. Yeah, to come along I'll with me. I'll come. I'll be there. Yes, <laughs> absolutely right. I'd love to do that. It'd be only you. fun people allowed. Yes. On these oh, well, I'm glad I qualify. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so you mentioned there that um, the first time you went was about 25 years ago, and that was while you were at college. Um, so 25 years of ministry. Then, um, mm-hmm. I guess as well as things obviously changing in that part of the world, um things have changed quite a bit in your context as well over that time. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now in your current role. Okay. Um, Yeah, massively changed. Um, So I've put a caveat to it in that when I was in college, right at the end of it, we had a a, a Alistair McGraw, was it, that came and spoke to us. Uh, Was he the ethics guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does a lot. So he came and did an evening and preached and um talked about he, he painted this picture of of this world 
um, and the kind of pastoral situations that we would be facing as ministers. And, and you know, we were all utterly horrified because the because <laughs> at the end of it, we were going like, really? Except, yes, really. <laughs> it has come to pass and we all know it. You know, there are things that come through our doors that... Um, um, well, there's things that's come through my door over the last few years because I've been doing community ministry from a fairly traditional church, um, uh, I, I, you know, to do with addiction, to do with sexuality, to do with uh, gender, to do with um, mental health issues, uh, just to do with multi-faith, st- all, all sorts of things which... Um, once I got into a slightly different role of community ministry was immediately what I was having to engage with uh, in quite a direct way. Um, And so that role, the role I was in was coming to an end. So now um, I have moved into a new role, um, partly because um, timing wise, I needed to find something at the end of that role. And I didn't really have the time to wait around and try and and kind of go through a settlement process um so in the end um just down the road from where I live uh, there was a a role of uh centre manager for uh, Avonmouth Community Centre it was um 30 hours a week so some flexibility so that I could still do some other things but essentially that um gives me enough um of all the practical stuff and it's embedded in community so that that seemed like quite a good fit and actually having applied for it I got the job um at the same time as doing all the thinking about what I wanted to do next um there was a little advert popped up on uh, Facebook from the Anabaptist Mennonite Network uh who were thinking about um church planting um and so um I winged off a, a little message to say okay so tell me a little bit about this partly thinking is this a way forwards um it again if it, it would fit alongside um well at that point I wasn't sure so is that an actual thing so you go and do that as a ministry and somebody would pay for you to do it turned out not um <laughs> <laughs> or or do you do that alongside so Actually, uh, what's ended up is then there was um, another group of people in Bristol who were also had expressed an interest. So we uh, so Barney Barron brought us together and we started a journey. And so um, back in June, um, we launched Soul Space Bristol. um, And that is um, in a community centre just down the road again from here uh, in a part of Shirehampton where there isn't um, another church on that side of the uh, courtway. Uh, so there's a recognised community that we could um, be part of. Um, because having done community ministry, really important for me, I don't want to be in some little enclave where only those that get invited can come along, you know, which which often happens if you're meeting in homes, much as it's comfortable. But the idea of this was to be hospitable, so hospitality, so we meet um, and share a meal uh, we're meeting on a Sunday at half past 12. So we do lunch, we do reflections around the table, we have prayers and sharing, we have breaking of bread. And um, and that's kind of roughly um, how we're, we're kind of have got started. And um, so we're twice a month and um, 
uh, at the moment just been really gathering the group and getting to know one another and we have a set of core values that we meet around that are drawn from our understanding of Anabaptism and it comes under the um, auspices of the Anabaptist Mennonite Network and so we've had some good support from from them and um, which is really important for me because it's quite a lonely uh, thing mm. to do to try and set up a new um, expression of Christian community um, and fairly quickly from when we were starting we had a really major bereavement in the group that um, the person I was really working at this alongside affected them and so that's kind of meant that they haven't been able to kind of be alongside me in quite the same way quite understandably so so there's we've been in a kind of a holding thing almost since we started really yeah but so so I've really tried to concentrate on this just the building the relationships and trying to work out who's really in and who's kind of just still observing mm-hmm. um to try and form the core group that will really be the ones that go on into um doing the missional work on embedding in the community as a little group and seeing what ways we can be all the usual things like salt and light if that's meaningful um and um just yeah kind of make our presence as a as a uh, an expression of what it means to follow Jesus within a community of people, uh, particularly at a time, um, and this is where the link up between the two strands of what I'm doing. So I see my ministry stuff at the community centre uh, as really key to what I'm doing uh, with the uh, church plant. They're kind of roughly, there's overlaps between the two communities. Um, and some of the people who come down to the community centre also live in the community where the soul oh, okay. space so so there's a a kind of a and and the community center is to be run for the well-being of the community so so my focus is is well-being community and that has so far I've been doing this since March so um so I'm heavily involved in the kind of Bristol's response to the cost of living crisis around our area we're uh, being one of the hubs that's organizing welcoming spaces um which is really using as many of the community buildings and activities around as possible to uh, provide um, the kind of places where people can go rather than heat their homes, rather than struggle without somewhere to go. So, um, so there's that side of things. There's the whole healthcare integrated care board stuff, which I'm kind of in the conversation with that um so that's two really important strands about community life which um and part of the conversations and just Mm. seeing how that works its way out um as time goes by so so those are really key things and then you've got all the relational stuff of the people that you're just kind of rubbing shoulders with and doing the pastoral stuff that you do as well as Yesterday I cleaned the drains because the water was <laughs> overflowing, and uh, installed CCTV cameras, and uh, and we're having a heating system done, and there's so the the nitty gritty stuff of running um, the centre and keeping the building up together, and then fundraising for it, and then 
um, building the links with, we have a little, the, the, one of the Bristol City Libraries is in our building as well. So it's okay. working with yeah. them. So, so there's just a lot of cooperation and uh, relationship stuff that's all part of that. So, so partly I buzz from all of that. I love it. It's just yeah. an amazing place to be. And then on top of that, then um, every other Sunday, I've got this soul space stuff um as the sort of second strand the next strand of what I'm doing now and then um there's a third strand um I think funerals are one of the most important things um that I do I have done I'm fortunate I'm quite good at it I think I'm good at the getting alongside people and I've been around long enough that I've established quite good Mm. relations with um some of the funeral directors who also trust me uh, to do the the tricky ones, the sensitive ones, the ones where they're not entirely sure how it's going to work out. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I've I've kind of purposely then, um, kind of just in the background kept that strand going, um, because that also keeps me grounded in um, something that I believe really is very important for people in how we deal with with grief and mm. the big questions in life and so again so I see that uh, as also part of my ongoing ministry is um is helping with with funerals so yeah. so those three things um uh don't make for a very good work-life balance but it's really <laughs> exciting <laughs> no they they could all take up all of your time I'm sure quite easily yeah. Yeah. um it sounds like an incredibly sort of creative uh, combination of things. I mean, as in there's a lot of creative energy potentially yeah. in that as well. And a lot of, if you're a people person, then it's, you know, life-giving. Um, oh, amazing yeah. stuff it is really. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you miss from more, I'm trying to think of a word that's not pejorative, um, from more, traditional church ministry that you were involved in perhaps uh before or does it um, just not really well um so I do miss preaching okay um because I always in a way found that as a really good outlet for reflection and for thinking about the people that you're uh, ministering to and um so um at the moment so so I'm, i mean again i've done a few I've, i have um agreed to go and preach a few places just just to keep um connected with and it's ch- churches that i know and who uh wanted to invite me i suppose so um so i'm i'm kind of but, but that's very rare i'm trying i don't partly just because i've got time yeah um and partly because um if I'm honest, actually, when you go and preach at places, um, churches have a very str- they have their way they do things, yes, and they sort of invite you, and then then they tell you what they kind of can't do or yeah. So I did have one or two occasions where you kind of say where you, you they invite you to go, and then. Uh, <laughs> and then you get a thing. Oh, by the way, we've got a thing in the afternoon, so there won't be many people coming. And I kind of just think, okay, so I don't, really need, I don't really need to do that then, do I? You know, because if nobody's going to be there to hear you, why am I bothering to do that? Yeah. You know, because you've invited me. It's not that I've asked you, can I come along and speak to you? So, um, yeah, so there's just, the, so there's a, there's, that's just an interesting reflection. I haven't really thought about that before. Um, on, and actually, 
what it's it feels like sometimes to step back into the traditional and the way those things work. I don't miss that at all, I have to say. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, so, so I've tried to keep up that a little bit, but so preaching, I, I guess, just on a, an occasion, I get a little bit of a pang of that's an outlet, which, and I actually, to be honest, not just that, but the leading of worship, the lead for me, the leading of worship and preaching has always been one thing. Those, yep. So the crafting a service into which uh, a sermon fits, uh, that that's the that's what I love actually, and I and there's a strange way in which I find myself and lose myself in that process of uh, leading worship and uh, uh, and kind of bringing that whole thing to fruition. So um, so I do miss that kind of process. I have to say um that kind of losing myself in the I guess it's you could say losing yourself in the worship of God but um but but I but but not but that doesn't outweigh the kind of creativity and my love for what I'm doing now and there's a freedom in what I'm doing now to to be uh the minister I want to be and to uh to do that without all of the um the edges and the boundaries and the restrictions and the the people being offended by that's not to say that there aren't people who get offended easily enough in community centers because that <laughs> and in many senses a community center is very much like uh, a church i have my little group of trustees that i have to, to i lead that i've got to develop and help um and um, they're great and um they have a real heart for the community center and um but essentially, um, it's it's a bit like yeah, it's about little like a little church, but without any appeals to what would Jesus do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you can't say to them, yes, well, that's not really very. <laughs> but, but yeah, so, so but the, but yeah, it, it's it's not totally. So I don't feel completely out of my uh, comfort zone with it. Although, um, what's absolutely been different is it's uh, <laughs> I've learned QuickBooks. I've yeah. uh, you know the whole building side of things the fundraising the it's it's mammoth I never had to do any of those things I had to do the end of year accounts no so most of my friends just laugh at what I've taken on because in the end <laughs> all that organizational stuff uh, really I have no interest in it at all, really, particularly, except that now I'm fully in it and keeping it going. And I know that's part of my role. And and I, there's another there is a part of me who is even enjoying some of that. So mm-hmm. it's kind of because that's kind of a new thing. So yeah, the idea yeah. of getting mentoring, I've just um, I got given a grant to have um, six sessions of mentoring in my role. And um, the thing I need to get done is a business plan, which I've never had to write a business plan for an organisation. And usually when I go to those discussions where they say, can you think three years or five years ahead where you would like to be? And I kind of like shrivel because like I don't want to know, because otherwise that means I've got to go there and it could be going anywhere. So uh, so I don't really like that process, but but we need one in order to measure other things. So I've come to the point where I understand why I need one. Mm-hmm. And uh, with this mentoring, uh, I've got somebody now to kind of help me get through that process of how to do it. And um, so you know, part of me is quite interested because that gives me another place to to kind of 
talk mm. and get all the stuff out of my head and um and that's a really practical help in terms of moving me forward that means I've factored in the time to do that because on my own I would not do it <laughs> yeah. no having someone else there kind of makes you put it in the diary doesn't it it's uh it's Yes, yeah. I think it's uh, it's kind of intentional accountability for things that you're not interested in. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yes, that's there. Um, now, Rachel, on, on the podcast, um, we always ask each of our guests two questions. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to ask them to you now. And the first of those is if you had one thing to declare to the union, as in, Baptist Union, not United mm-hmm. Kingdom, to yeah. the Union. Um, in although, I mean, you know, go for it. Um, yeah. In this moment, um, what would it be? Yes, now I was thinking about this. Actually, um, I'm not big on telling other people what to do. So, um, I. But so, what I came to to think about really was our distinctive of. Um, <sighs> Yeah, no, the distinctive about people. And um, so my whole approach is about how do we love people? So my, and, and because of, of um, I'm a little bit detached from the kind of central point at this point in ministry, but um, my, my message, I think, would be, if I wanted to declare something, um, is uh, we put institution and theology and doctrine before loving people at our peril. And that kind of fits in with um, what I've just seen in Israel. Mm. I think it's another way of reading the Bible narrative. Sometimes we assume that in that story, there are things that are complete that are not necessarily complete. Actually, you could read it as a warning to um, the church um, that if in the end this becomes something that is just so um, prescriptive and controlling and um, so focused on purity and uh you must do things this way and these people are in and these people are out um how are we not like the israel that god left behind yeah now to me i am listening to that and um and i that's why i say so we put all that stuff because it wasn't that any of that stuff wasn't important but actually in the end what we know of the jesus story is that um Jesus rejected that Jesus stepped outside of that the purification laws he was really um actually had quite a lot to say about that sabbath stuff and that you know those were not the things because actually in the end he railed against the things that excluded people ordinary people and and so i that, so that's why i come to this so we do that at our peril Love that. Sorry, I was just writing something. I thought, oh, that's good. I'll have that. Um, <laughs> um, you go ahead, steal my stuff. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Always. Um, and the second question is, if you think Baptists have one thing to declare to the world in this moment, what would that be? 
Um, so that where I would come back down to the priesthood of all believers, really, I suppose. And in the end, um, I guess is this for the world? Is this for everybody? Yeah, we're we're, we're all part. We're all part of the world anyway. I think it's about that God can be um, bringing about change and movement and transformation, and can speak through um, any person. So, um, so we need to look in the unexpected places for where God might be at work. And uh, so I guess, you know, that actually becomes a bit more of a message for the church again, I suppose, in some ways. Um, but I think there is something about the, um, the way we are so divided these days. We've been, you know, and, and, and made to feel fearful. Hmm. Uh, about life not just medically but in terms of afraid of other people afraid of um you know economically people are really struggling life is really fearful at the moment and when people are afraid they tend to hand over control and power to people who give particular messages and uh and so we i think that could very easily sleepwalk into um something that's very authoritarian and uh which in the end um for people of faith will become something that is really dangerous and uh and again we, we just we need to wake up and and actually i think um think about it comes back to that love casts out fear and and so the so I think we need a less fearful world, and I think um, hopefully as Baptists that kind of message of love um, is a really strong one. I think you know that it goes back to the old uh, Thomas Helvis stuff and John Smith and all those things about it's not for the state and it's not for others to decide whose faith is valid and who's not. It's not even ours to decide about what we're, you know, everybody, we're still going to talk about what we believe in, but we're not going to suppress or persecute those that um, aren't the same as us. We're going to try and love them. And and so that I, I think that's what I would that's that was what mm. was going around in my head with that question. I yeah. have to say. Which draws a rather neat loop back round to the Palestinian farmer with the settlements. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. Even though you're trying to take my land, yeah. yet I will love you. Mm. Yeah. I mean we need a bit more of that. That's hard. Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, almost impossible for us, um, yeah. which again then just casts us back onto our reliance on um, on who we understand God to be. Yeah, Rachel, thank you so much for uh, spending a bit of time uh, with us. Really appreciate um, hearing a bit about what you're up to and uh, you. where you see things are and where we might be going. Thank you very much. You're really welcome. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'll say hello to whoever's listening. <laughs> I am waving at the same time, even though nobody can see it. Yes. I can <laughs> confirm that's true.
Well, Beth, that was my chat with uh, lovely Rachel. Um, have you ever been to the Middle East, to Israel? I haven't, actually, no. Um, it's one of those places I sometimes think I should want to go to, but I don't know. It's not particularly called out to me yet, so I haven't been. How about you? No, I haven't, and I would like to go. Um, I think there is something about being somewhere that changes how you feel and think about things um which takes us back to the beginning of the podcast really about sort of embodying um mm-hmm. these things but i think um oh well for a variety of reasons it's just not, not happened but talking to friends who have been as well it's interesting what places grab them and what ones don't as well you know some people sort of certain things really are interesting and others aren't and it's really interesting listening to rachel the places that sort of captured her imagination a bit more and, and piqued her interest um, which would be different to, to other people as well. Um, and obviously it's not the easiest place to go. Uh, at, and that is one of the, one of the tensions I'm, I'm sure. Uh, but I liked particularly what Rachel was talking about, how it's kind of a place of crazy contrasts, I think she said. And also that in a way, it's all a bit of a mess because all of humanity meets there. I think she said something along those lines. And so this idea that, it's a bit of a fulcrum for so much of human life um and and therefore that brings with it a chaos and a tension that is just inherent in being where it is and and what it is um and that fascinates me uh, on a geopolitical level never mind anything else yes. but um part of me would love to uh, go and stand you know uh and galilee and and things like that there's some places i'd love to go I think, yeah, it's so interesting for me. I, um, you know, it's one of those places I, I kind of connect with the complexity of of kind of different spiritualities and prayer in church. And um, I think exposed to quite a lot of the conversations around kind of Palestinian Christians and mm-hmm. Palestinians in general and their experience. And then what counts as anti-Semitism uh, when you talk about the state of Israel and the complexities of current Israeli politics as well. And, um, and a kind of, you know, I, I just I think I'm always it's a place that in my head kind of conjures up a yeah like say the kind of geopolitics of it but also geopolitics as they resonate with a kind of evangelical spirituality um, and that for some people there's a real belief that a, there is a certain political view that must be held because of of what they associate with end times and and I think that's um, I think that's really challenging <laughs> there's not an easy answer to those conversations because you um well I think there are some better answers um but I think um you know kind of actually being when you're ministering in those those places and spaces and some unlikely people hold those beliefs very deeply and so you're suddenly treading on huge kind of like things that for people are so precious um but then you're wanting to kind of encourage people to maybe hold the conversation a little differently yeah, it's really. Have you ever had that in in any churches you you've been in? Have you ever had a sort of a strong Israel lobby yes. in in any of you have? Right, okay, yeah. I mean, and I think and I think one of the challenges is when that's actually also connected to other minority groups. Um, so okay. then, so then you're you're really aware that you as a white person is think you know thinking this, and that actually you've got a power dynamic at play within your local community, and that you've got to be really careful about how you manage that at the same time um yeah it's really interesting 
It's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, most of the churches I've been in, there have been a few people, you know, there's the people who pass around the leaflets and, and talk about Israel a little bit more. I, we don't really have much of that where I am at the moment. I'm not wishing on it on us either. Um, but it, it is one of those things that there are, you know, certain people, this is their thing. They feel very strongly about it. As you say, it resonates with so much of what they think is important. As you know, it's not just about Israel per se, it's part of a broader broader conversation. Yeah, interesting. So but, but I would like to go and partly because I just love exploring new places and new things. And I loved hearing Rachel's stories and I thought, yeah, I I, I wouldn't mind a, a bit of that, but I'd need looking after. I'm not a very good traveller. Yeah, uh, don't we need <laughs> I don't like um, travelling very much. It makes me quite so, anxious. <laughs> I'm I'm married to someone who's a bit more of an intrepid traveller and um Anna's great at just going to new places and doing new things and um i remember going to visit a mission hospital in india um a number of years ago and i mean i just on my own there's no way i'd have survived the train station never mind anywhere else and this is just brilliant at it so yeah i definitely need to be chaperoned in some way um but i wouldn't mind going i wouldn't mind going um now, one of the other things that I spoke about with Rachel was obviously her move from being in sort of local church ministry at Hawfield and then at Tyndale, mm. and now to be running the Avonmouth Community Centre. And uh, it's a really interesting transition, I think, and interesting to hear about how she has this wonderful mixture of, you know, there's practical things that she needs to sort out in the building, but also actually there is something about hosting the space and making people feel welcome and being a listening ear and so much of that there's such a direct set of transferable skills from mm-hmm. ministry in the local church and you almost do develop your own congregation you your group of people who see you as the go-to person or or, or you have that role in in their life in some way and I thought it's a really interesting uh, transition I enjoyed hearing about that I I really enjoyed that bit too because um at RT, where so John Bunyan Baptist, yes, Church, of course, where I was minister for a while. Um, they had the RT Centre, which is a community centre. So the church was always open to the public and very much run by that community centre. You know, doing their own things. To which I was a kind of chaplain was the role we came up with actually as a language because we needed to kind of the previous minister had founded it, so it was his baby. But but I, as I inherited, I was not the new director. We created two roles. Um, so we needed a new language for how the minister related to the centre. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so chaplaincy became the phrase. And and it was, um, you know, I prayed with people um, all the time because it was the church and people knew that if they came and knocked to my office, there would be somebody there to pray with them. And um, and some interesting situations that always appears when, you know, the general public can turn up and, and just ask for prayer and, and various vulnerable people because it was quite a poor area. Um, so it was definitely, um, it was definitely a fascinating insight into, into, you know, into many different lives, actually. And also using the space as a place of care was a big theme. So trying to care for the space as a way of caring for people. And that's something that's really left its mark on me, actually. I, um, I've been really grateful for that bit of kind of formation, because now when I go into like my office at work, like I really thought about how I set it up when I first was in there because I really wanted it to be a space that people felt held in because I knew that space has that power um yeah so I've been really interested by that um and And very nice it is too um I've been 
uh, offered hospitality in in your office and, and a delightful <laughs> space it is um i have got the best office in the building oh I? have you oh, yeah. <laughs> i haven't seen any others so. i just my, my gentle apology to all my colleagues but thanks because <laughs> i do have i've got a wonderful wonderful office it's got a great view uh so yeah <laughs> that's always good um but yeah i i do think there is something that i mean especially someone with rachel's just gift for people and mm. you know, she's a great communicator and just full of life and I could just so imagine how the feel of that community center um evolves with with her being there and and what a gift that would be to the community that she's serving so it was great to get yeah. to hear about that it was really interesting um and the emerging faith community that she's also kind of yeah that, yeah that, the soul space yeah I also I love the language soul space I've I've mm. Been trying to come up with some good words for for chapel and that, i think that's mm. a good um yeah. yeah it is and i think it's a really in, to hear how that's developing and growing and uh i'd be really interested to um catch up with that in a year in, in two years and see how that's grown and developed because there definitely is a, a significant group of people out there who want to engage but don't want to engage with institutional church I realize language around this stuff is always so difficult um and I think that's true I think there's another group of people that actually they need it to have a steeple on top and be called St Peter's you you know there's just um (laughs) and that is the the need so it's really it's the same it's interesting isn't it because it both things are saying the same thing one is saying we take this so seriously it's absolutely imperative that there are no barriers in institution, if I use that phrase carefully, because there is obviously a different institution at play. It's what we name it and how um, how easy it is to move it about. Um, but but kind of, you know, it must look, you know, it must be, you know, kind of, uh, you know, f- I hate the phrase fresh expressions because it makes it sound like other versions of church are stale. Um, but, but kind of the, um, you know, kind of an emerging kind of auth- authentic very kind of of its local community Mm. um, in some way very ground up kind of version of whatever is emerging although I think we should be aware of all the fresh expression stuff that suggests 20 years down the line it will look a bit more like a quick stale expression um uh, but I think you know something really interesting and organic in that isn't there that says what happens if we try and take off all of the barriers and all of the bits and the traditions that were um what 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 are the kind of the kernels of the gospel um that we need and then in this other you know there's the kind of then there's the kind of the St Peter's with the steeple on the top model mm-hmm. which is saying I think sometimes exactly the same thing we take this so seriously is really important that people know that this you know God is so important that we we make this otherly you know that there's something different and transcendent and unmarked about this space that seems you know kind of so you know you're coming into something new and something or something alternative to your kind of everyday moments and I obviously they reflect different spiritualities as well but I think at the same time they also really show us I think both a real desire to say you know God is really present in some way (laughs) Like either God is really yeah. present by not needing all the stuff or God is really present by needing all the stuff. And and that is a different kind of way of caring, isn't it? I think it's a really interesting. Mm. I spent a lot of time in lots of different sorts of churches. And I think yeah. it's kind of become a what I really annoyed by is the kind of hodgepodge middle. 
Okay. So if you want to get me started on a rant, it's the kind of um I high give me high anything and I love it. Give me low anything and I love it. I, what I'm really annoyed about is people who don't really know why they're doing what they're doing. And they kind of smush about the kind of middle lukewarm. I've got a liturgy I have to use and I don't really know how to use it approach. Oh, I've just got no time for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I won't tell you what we're doing that in the next couple of weeks on Sundays. But uh, no, no, I think I'm that's sure really... You, I'm sure you know why you're doing what you're doing, David. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, yeah, one one hopes. Um, but <laughs> but I think as well... You want this to happen, which is a very good reason for knowing what you're doing. This is true. This is true. Um, but I think as well it speaks to actually the importance of church with a big C having a sort of mosaic nature to it, mm. isn't it? And it doesn't all need to be the same, but it does all need to be faithfully itself and authentically itself. Um, and it's okay that it, it, it's this or it's that. Um, but yeah, when it doesn't know what it's trying to do, it's actually very hard for other people to work out what's going on and how to engage, engage with it. Yeah. That's really, I'm going to continue to ponder that. Um, and then, yeah, I think we're definitely, um, there's something to be done there, I'm sure. It's not quite the uh, Coral Reef Conference image <laughs> from last week, but um, we'll, we'll work on it. Um, and then uh, when Rachel spoke about uh, questions, mm. um, she spoke about um, the, well, she said, uh, I think I've got it right. We put institution, theology, and doctrine above loving people at our peril. That's something she wants to declare to us. Jesus railed against things that excluded people. And I think there is a real, I think that sort of ties in with what we've been talking about a little bit, about where institution fits in. Now, I simultaneously want to say yes to all that, and that nothing is sustained without a degree of institution. And, and you know, I'm, I'm a both and on this rather than either or. But I think the challenge is always one to hear, isn't it, about actually there is a core of what it means and the two commandments that Jesus puts before us are loving God and loving other people. And when something else, and I think it's Barbara Brown Taylor, of course, this is something along the lines of... <laughs> That's I, the bingo card for today. <laughs> here we go, here we go. Um, she says something on the lines of, I've quoted it several times, um, and... I haven't finished with that yet. And when I have, I'll take my next assignment or it's, it's much better articulated than that. But the quote is along the lines of that's quite a lot to be getting on with. Mm. Um, and none of us are there yet. And so actually we, I don't think there's a time in my life where I never need to be told that my call is to love people as God loves them. Mm. Uh, that's never going to be something where I've totally ticked the box because it's really hard but it's so important um yeah so i received that challenge very much i so it's so interesting isn't it the um kind of the complexity of of institution which inevitably creates boundary and some of those boundaries are about clarity and clarity i believe is kindness absolutely right that's uh channeling brené as well just to complete the bingo cards for today <laughs> uh clarity is kindness that's Brené Brown dare to lead absolutely right um I absolutely think that's true um and and I work in an institution which you're right it's not the same thing as love but it's about 
you know, if you have large groups of people, then then how do you kind of how do you create clarity? Because clarity is kindness. But then you, I think, you know, and then how do you, and then how do you live those institutional realities with, with mm. such a kindness that it feels like love? I think, um, yeah. yeah, I think there is something about having to sit light to our institution. One of the reasons I think I'm a Baptist um, is is that because I think what I hope is that we sit in, intentionally with our institution it's it's the same thing I think about worship actually that it's about knowing why we're doing what we're doing um so I think it's it's about if we know why we do what we do and we can hold it then you know no system's going to be perfect but at least we know why um and it's when we don't know why that I think it becomes problematic yeah. and or we do it from the wrong kind wrong kind of tradition not because this is a, a positive tradition and we we've this is our you know kind of mm. what we've inherited and these are the principles that matter to us but in a sense of a kind of tradition of what well, we've just always done like that um an apathetic tradition and you know maybe that's it but yeah pe- people being so much more important than the but then how you hold the people together i think you know I think you know when you're in a group, an institution, a community that tries to do that and you're in one that doesn't. Mm. And uh, I think when you're in one that clearly doesn't, it does feel quite oppressive. You see, and it sometimes takes me a while to put my finger on why. And mm. usually this is what it boils down to, actually, this whole question that Rachel's put in front of us. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. Um, so big thanks to Rachel for yeah. coming onto the podcast um, lots to think about out of that <laughs> so. lots to think about absolutely right and we will go on uh, doing that and uh, we look forward to uh, catching up with soul space maybe uh, in the future and hearing how I that's going like we're going to need a series where we go back to people and hear how can we visit we could... up on how things have gone since we yeah we could do that we could do that the only is... be... i mean how would we have enough podcasts well exactly we've got, we've got a lot of other people <laughs> we haven't spoken <laughs> yeah. to um, but it's it, I, I would love that I'm actually I'm, when I'm on sabbatical next year I'm hoping to go to Bristol for a bit so um, I might try and catch up with Souls but I can report back perhaps we'll do it that way yeah so we're going to finish with our blessing today uh, Beth do you want to finish with the blessing this week or would you like me to um, you should do it David Bless I us. Would, in which case I'd be pleased to do that so friends wherever you walk may the earth uphold you And wherever you enter, may you find welcome. Whenever you nest, may it be a good home. And wherever you go, may the love and grace and mercy of God go with you. Always. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to catching up with you next time. Bye. Bye.